It's a challenging passage that we're opening up together today, so let me pray for wisdom and guidance and God's goodness in it. Uh, Dear Lord, we do thank you that we can gather together as brothers and sisters. Uh, We pray as we listen to your word today uh, that I will speak faithfully from it, that we will proclaim your word truthfully. Uh, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us, uh, convicting us of the things that we need to hear. Amen. Every now and again, I go to a Christian wedding uh, where the bride and the groom choose uh, this passage for their sermon. And on one hand, I admire them for the courage to stand up and proclaim a genuinely Christian perspective on marriage, undeterred by the cultural pressures around them or the expectations of their friends and family. On the other hand, I feel for the preacher because a few minutes earlier, everyone you know, filed into the room, all the guests were there in joyful anticipation of another exciting wedding. Everyone made the appropriate ooing and ahhing noises as the bride came down the aisle. There was someone there with the world's largest iPad Pro trying to take selfies. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful moment. And now we've got grown men sort of squirming slightly in their seat, you know, afraid to look to the left or the right. The ladies, their posture is a little more upright, a little more fight than flight. And a few are weighing up the weight of the prayer book and thinking just what would it take to get that to the pulpit without completely messing up their hair. And here the preacher is up there proclaiming the word of God. More seriously, some will genuinely sit there and say, this is exactly why I don't come to church. This is another example of men using religion to perpetuate a male-dominating culture. And they heard the words, wives, submit to your husbands, and that was the last words they heard. At worst, it's completely out of touch with a modern progressive culture. At best, sorry, it's out of touch. At worst, it sows the seeds for future abuse. So let me uh, talk about abuse before we even get to this passage. Because it is completely repugnant to think that a man would use the word of God, to spiritually coerce or emotionally manipulate or sexually abuse or psychologically abuse their wife. That is completely repugnant to scripture. If you are in a domestic violence situation, if you know someone who is in a domestic violence situation, then there is absolutely no biblical mandate to remain in that situation. Now, please don't get me wrong. I am completely committed to the sanctity of marriage. When we stand up at our wedding before God, we make promises to love, you know, in sickness and in health, to death do us part. But there are situations where things become so dysfunctional, where they become so dangerous, that actually the situation needs to change. And when we read 1 Corinthians 7, 
I think we see at least a first step in response to an abusive situation. So this is what 1 Corinthians 7 says. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. Let me say, if you are ever in the situation where you feel in danger in your family. Now, let me say there are people who are here to support you. If you came uh, Christmas Eve, 2 a.m., knock on our door, you are always welcome. You're welcome. Your kids are welcome. We can negotiate the cat. (laughs) But there should be no reason for you to feel that you are destitute in that situation. We are a community of people here to love and support each other. But isn't it tragic that a passage that is primarily about husbands sacrificing for their wives and husbands loving their wives needs to now come with a disclaimer sticker because it's been so abused and misused. So as we open up this passage today, let's look at it carefully. Let's look beyond just the word submit and let's hear what else the passage has to say. Let's hear the words about love and sacrifice and purity and being blameless and united. Because aren't they the words that we want for our marriage? And aren't they the words that we want for our church? And I appreciate today that not everyone is in the same situation. So this passage is particularly to the married. Uh, Not everyone is in that situation. Some will be in the future, and hopefully this shapes the way you view your future significant other. Some of us uh, are in it, and some of us will be supporting and encouraging those who are in marriages and in different situations. So whether it is relevant to you personally in the here and now or relevant to those people you love around you, Let's listen to what the Word of God has to say to each of us. And let's begin in verse 21. So if you've got your Bible open, it's great for you to follow along and make sure I'm not a heretic. Let's see what it says. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So right up from the front, uh, we see the motivation for submitting to one another. And it's actually not primarily about the other person. It's primarily out of reverence for Christ. As followers of Christ, one of the ways we live out our worship is we live it out in how we submit to one another. And submission in the context of husbands and wives, the word used for submission here, is not the same as the word for obedience. So wives submit to your husbands is different to children obey your parents. So obedience is about a demand that's required. It's an obligation that you must follow. So if you're in an employed situation and uh, the request is legal, then you must obey your boss. And if you don't obey your boss, then then you can get sacked. Uh, Submission, on the other hand, is willingly given and self-chosen. And so submission is willing to give respect to 
the person who has authority over you. And so husbands are called to lead their wives and wives are called to submit and allow their husbands to lead them. And we see this definition supported, uh, if you look right down at the end of our passage today at verse 33, this is how it concludes. However, every one of you also must love his wife as he loves the other, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So some people read, submit to one another, and conclude that it is mutual submitting. It's the same submission to each other. And certainly culturally, that would be a far more palatable reading of the passage, the idea of mutual same submission. But in verse 23, we get that submission uh, so clarified a little bit more and we get a little bit more context. This is what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. So some read this passage and would say we are all equal before God. So we're all created equal. We're all created in the image of God. We are all saved by the same grace. So we are all equal. But we also have the same role in the family. And so the language for that is it's called egalitarian. Okay, there's the technical word for the day. Uh, others, on the other hand, and this is where I sit and this is where this sermon will go today, say absolutely we are all equal before God, but husbands and wives have a different role to play in their marriage. And when husbands and wives work together in different roles, then they complement each other. And so the language for that is complementarian. And if we want to see the ultimate example of equal but different, then we just need to look at Jesus and his Father. So Jesus, absolutely God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, all one together. And yet each person of God has a unique role. And the Son chooses to submit to his father. And so when Jesus uh, is about to be betrayed uh, and is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to his father, this is what he prays. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So if wives are called to submit to husbands, then what about the husbands? Because in this passage, about 40 words, I didn't count this, someone else did, 40 words are dedicated to calling wives to submit to husbands. 115 words are about the husband sacrificing themselves for their wives. So verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So if submission is the willingness to respect someone else's leadership, then husbands are called to sacrifice themselves for the good and the godliness of their wives. In the same way that Christ sacrificed himself for the church. And so we have this living metaphor being played out of husbands and wives and Jesus and the church. And what does Christ want for his church? We'll look at verse 26. To make her holy, 
cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The cleansing by washing here is probably not a reference to baptism, which is kind of our natural inclination. Uh, More likely, uh, it's an allusion to uh, the Jewish wedding custom, uh, where the wives would bathe uh, before the wedding, and so she would present herself as cleansed and this radiant, beautiful woman, uh, pure before her new husband. And that's what Christ does for us. So he lifts us up as sinners and he restores us as pure and blameless before God. And so as the word of God is proclaimed, we are convicted that Jesus is the son of God who died for our sin on the cross. And we're convicted that we are sinners and we repent and we turn and we follow him. And so before God, we are no longer accused. We're no longer characterised by our failure and our sin. We're no longer dirty, but we're pure and blameless because of what Christ has done in his grace and mercy. So Christian headship isn't about desiring power. It is not about exerting your authority on your wife. It's about leading your wife in goodness and godliness. It's a, it's a power that's characterized by self-sacrifice and a desire to see the other person flourish. And submission is the willingness to allow your husband to lead and to respect him as he seeks your good. And just as Christ cares for his body, the church, husbands are called to care for their wives like they care for their own body. And the unity that they share, the unity that a husband and wife share, becomes an example of the church. So when we look at a marriage, when we look at a God-honouring marriage, we should see and start to understand what the church is all about. It's not about institutions and programs. At the absolute heart of it, it's about an intimate relationship, a relationship with the God who created us that gets lived out in service of each other each day. I think the difficulty is so often we look at our experience of marriage and we look at our experience of church and it's a long way from the exalted picture that we see in Scripture. Yeah, this is what we long for, but it's a long way from our experience. And we can't be too surprised, can we? Because we are continuing to be marred by sin. Saved by grace, we have the Holy Spirit, but sin continues to raise its ugly head. But we can't just give up, can we? Because that's the temptation. The temptation is, I failed yesterday, I failed the day before, I failed the day before, so really, why bother? Why keep going? But we also have the Holy Spirit. And so each day, we're called to wake up, pray to God for his guidance, for his strength, and to live this day honouring him. And in our in our marriages... For the men waking up and saying, Lord, help me to lead my family today. And to the wives, 
Lord, help me to submit to my husband today. And so easy, isn't it, to point the other finger, to point the finger at the other person. Whatever the problem, it's always someone else's fault. But if we do that, we're really leaving the log in our own eye while we point out the speck in theirs. Yeah, it's so easy to blame other people for our sin. But we all do it, don't we? Yeah, sometimes we, we make poor calls, poor judgments. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes we are jealous, uh, we are vindictive, we are lazy, we are petty. And it just goes on and on and on. But in Christ, we are new people. And so what do we do? Well, we ask for forgiveness, we repent, and we stand up and we go forward again. And that needs to be our prayer each day. But it also needs to be what we can encourage in each other, isn't it? You know, it's a good thing for the blokes to ask other blokes, how are you going leading your family? Blokes aren't very good at that question. Uh, actually, we're not good at many questions. Uh, how's your day? Good. I think we've covered it. So uh, after that, all that's left is the footy. Uh, but but yeah, how, how do we ask each other genuine questions? That is a good thing to ask. You don't need to be married to ask a married bloke how he's going in his marriage. You know, wives, it's good to ask each other similar questions. So what does it look like for a husband to lead the family and for a wife to submit to her husband? I think it starts with the husband. So the question that every husband needs to ask is, how do I lead my family so that we will grow in our love and obedience of Christ? So if wives are called to respect their husbands, then we need to be worthy of respect. You know, are we living role models of what it is to follow Christ? Not perfectly, but diligently and committed to doing better with the help of the Spirit. Are we leading our families in being examples of prayer uh, or reading our Bible together or reading our Bible with our kids? Are we examples of making godly priorities with our time and with our money? If we're going to lead our families, we need to lead them and point them to Christ in everything we do, in the little things and the big things. As husbands, we should encourage and affirm our wives. They should be reminded constantly, we should be reminding them constantly that they are created in the image of God, they are loved by God and that they are loved by us. We should encourage contentment and joy. And wives, what does it mean to submit to your husband? Well, firstly, I think it starts with taking pleasure in submitting to your husband. Affirm your husband in his role as leader. Affirm him when he gets it right and don't hold it against him when he gets it wrong because that could be a lot. But how do we love each other? When our wives sin against us, husbands, we need to be gracious in the same way that Christ is gracious to us. Wives, when your husbands sin against you, you need to be gracious in the same way that Christ is gracious to you. And headship is a lot more than just decision-making. This is where it gets really fraught. 
But how do we approach decisions? How do we approach decisions as husbands lead their families? Well, I think very practically, and this is nothing to do with being complementarian, uh, perhaps even Christian, but how do you listen to each other? That is just communication 101. Husbands, listen, understand the perspectives of your wives. Wives, listen to your husbands. We need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. That is something that is universally true. But if you have two different opinions, what then? Well, hopefully you can mutually work out something that works for you both. And isn't that great when that works? You know, everyone, you know, you negotiate together, you come up with something that's better than the sum of your, of your ideas. If that works, that's brilliant. But what happens if you can't get to that point? What then? So get counselling. <laughs> what then? Well, I think at this point, and this is where it gets really fraught, I think I've got everyone's attention at this stage. At this point, then the husband needs to lead. So the husband needs, which is not the same as making the decision, but the husband needs to act for the good and the godliness of his family, which doesn't say who should make the decision. And in fact, if the husband is sacrificing for his wife and if the husband is loving his wife and it's not an issue of godliness, it's just personal preference, then husbands are called to sacrifice and love their wives. Here's a wonderful opportunity to live out leadership as genuine sacrificial service. But just as the blokes thought they had it snatched away. But genuine leadership and genuine submission as a Christian isn't just about receiving what the other person gives. Because the temptation in our culture is to say, I will give only as long as that you give back. That's our temptation. Or you say, look, I'll give three times. I'll be generous. But if I'm not getting anything back, then we start to wane in our commitment, don't we? But that's not what Christian sacrifice looks like. And that's not what Christian submission looks like. So husbands are called to sacrifice for their wives and love their wives irrespective of how the wife then responds to her husband. And wives, you're called to submit irrespective of how your husbands respond to your submission. And it's tough because often we feel unvalued and unappreciated. But what does Christ do for us? He continues to forgive. He continues to give. And that's the example that we have for each other, that we continue to sacrifice for each other, even when it feels thankless. And we continue to submit to one another, even when that feels thankless. And it shouldn't be that way, should it? It really shouldn't. You know, if there are things where you need to go and ask for forgiveness, then go and ask for forgiveness. If there are areas where you need to repent then you need to repent. And if you do need support, then go and get support. Because if we just live with each of us wanting to exert our own rights, then we are missing out on the goodness that God has given us. When we look at a wedding photo, uh, we always see, isn't that beautiful? It was the the most insipid one I could find. 
Uh, just touching with my sentimental side. Yeah, when we look at any wedding day photo, particularly by the time we've Instagrammed the thing to death, yeah, it's always this idealised view of marriage. And on the day, everyone stands up and makes these unreserved promises that they will give to the other. In reality, most modern marriages aren't about giving, they're more about getting. And in fact, if anyone should be doing some more giving, it's always the other person. But that is not the Christian perspective. As Christians, we start in a different place. So we start first and foremost seeking to honour God in our marriage. That becomes our first motivation. And then we look to the other person and say, how do we live that out, honouring God in the way that I love my wife, the way that I love my husband? Yeah, our culture says, you know, if marriage doesn't live up to the wedding day, if I don't continue to feel in love, then there's no reason to persevere. But as Christians, we're committed. We've made promises. We want to see the good and the godliness of the other. And so we genuinely seek to love and to serve each other. And we've got something unique, don't we? We've been given a unique perspective on marriage, a unique guidance. We're listening to the word of God. We're listening to the God who created everything. And so let's take pleasure in that. Let's see our marriages as a blessing and a joy. And when there are challenges, when people fail, then let's be ready with grace and forgiveness. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for marriage. Uh, We thank you for the enormous blessing it is uh, to have someone uh, to share life with. We thank you that marriage is a wonderful example of your church and how you intimately love us. Lord, we pray that we can live up to uh, the picture of marriage that you've given us. And we know we can't be perfect, Lord, but we pray that with your spirit and with your help that we'll seek to honour our marriages more and more each day. And Lord, I pray for those uh, here who are in really difficult marriages. Uh, give them a patience and a perseverance and a love for the other person and a wisdom in how to be in that marriage. And for those who aren't in marriages, Lord, I pray that you help us to support each other and love those as they walk in their marriages. And we pray for these things in your son's name. Amen.